It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Donovan's heading to Australia, and they're all raving about his USA performance. Statistical research that finds nothing, and Craig Bullerjack joins us for the summer interview series. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully improving your experience being a Jazz fan during the offseason. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Super appreciate the support you're giving during the offseason. Our numbers uh, have been fabulous. Thanks to Tony Jones. The Tony Jones Summer Interview Series was the most listened to uh, so far of the four weeks. Ron Boone let us off. Then Andy Larson joined us. Then Thurl Bailey. And then Tony Jones. So uh, thanks to all. Tony's uh, just a draw. You guys love Tony. Craig Bowlerjack this week. Now that's a guy you really love. Uh, those are still all available on Locked on Jazz. They're all timeless. They all start after the first segment. So if you want to kind of skip through the first 10, 12 minutes and just grab those interviews in two parts each day, you'll be in the right spot uh, for things. So thanks very much. Uh, for those of you that are interested, uh, we're doing our inventory for Locked on Jazz starting uh, for September and beyond. We do not have much inventory, but if you're interested in advertising, Unlocked on Jazz during the Jazz season. This would be the time of the year to reach out to me at dlock09 at gmail.com. We're actually sold out for some periods of time already. Uh, but if you are interested in trying to get in, uh, right now would be the time to email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. All right, well, they're raving about Donovan. Uh, Brian Windhorst and Om, uh, two ESPN guys, were doing a kind of question and answer back and forth about Vegas and what took place. And um, Brian Windhorst, who uh, asked the question, who has impressed you the most? Donovan Mitchell has impressed me, he wrote. Then he talked about Tatum and Middleton. Uh, Om said, uh, Donovan has impressed me the most. From the first practice in Vegas to the most recent exhibition, I love the aggressiveness from him and perhaps even more. I love what I'm hearing from him every time he talks. He sounds like this is an opportunity to win a gold for the USA. And in the Olympics, not just the World Cup, uh, that many are taking for granted. He's treated this not only as an honor to represent his country, but to really take another step forward in his progression. He's not just starting, but I think he's going to see him run point at times, spell Kemba, create for other teams. I also think his athleticism scoring will make him a standout in the World Cup. Windhorse then said... Uh, the way he moves reminds me so much of Dwayne Wade. He's strong lower body. He moves side to side with such power. Uh, I'm not the first to say that. And then Ohm said, uh, Mitchell sure is a bright spot, but what concerns do you have about the team and they move on? But how about that? Really cool stuff uh, there for um, Donovan to hear him talk about that. And I do think this is going to be great for him. As I've talked a lot, I thought he took a step last year despite what a lot of people want to talk about. I don't think it's realistic to think players who have good first years have better second years. What they have is better third years. And that is going to be a huge part of it for Donovan. And frankly, I mean, this team's not great, right? Like, the Ringer has a whole story today that this is one of the worst collections of USA talent ever. 
it's that's probably true. And what it means really is that this task for Donovan is going to be as difficult or maybe more difficult than anything he's going to do during the regular season uh, in the sense that he's going to be asked to carry this load. He's going to be asked to, uh, in a marquee circumstances, and one of the weaknesses that we've seen in Donovan so far is playoff Donovan hasn't been great. And so this is a, this is a super chance for Donovan to improve playoff Donovan. You know, the scouting probably won't be as significant, but it won't be that far off either. And Donovan in two playoffs has shot 42 and 32%. Uh, and last year really struggled, you know, struggled badly and forced it. And he'll, he'll, he'll be, the, he's probably going, he and Kemba are going to be the man. And their games are similar. I mean, Kemba has some of the same weaknesses as Donovan with that floater and the, and the need for the floater because he can't get to the rim. And so I think you'll see some interesting aspects to Donovan uh, here in, a, in an enormous, enormous challenge uh, for Donovan to be able to carry this team if that's, in fact, what he ends up doing. If he ends up actually, you know, Kemba is just one of the great pick-and-roll players in the game. Uh, Might have been the best last year. And so he can learn from that. And Kemba, for that reason, will probably still be the marquee guy. But otherwise, this is turning out that this Team USA, with everything that's taking place, is, is very much uh, Donovan's team. All right, I did two research projects last night. Um, neither of them actually came to any benefit, uh, but I thought I'd share them with you. Uh, the first one I looked into uh, was something that I'll reference in this interview with Craig Bowlerjack, which is the idea that the Jazz, by running the most picks and handoffs of any team in the NBA uh, last year, where wear teams out, um, and then that's why they blow so many so many people out. Uh, and I tried to do it in a manner in which I could prove it, and was not able to. Uh, frankly, there was no correlation. In fact, the opposite was true. The teams, other teams that ran the most picks and handoffs were the. And, and my thought was that you would see that the teams that ran the most picks and the most handoffs were actually the teams that had the best defenses because they wore you out. Uh, by almost a time of possession game on the offensive end, and just to let you know that that did not um, uh, that did not come to fruition. Uh, the most picks and handoffs combined of any team in the league last year were the Jazz, uh, but they were the only above average defense in the top seven with the most. So that didn't that didn't work. Uh, the other one, and you'll hear me reference that with Bowler. I, I say these things, and I always go back and wonder if it's true. I do think that's true. Actually, I do think and particularly if you talk to opposing players and opposing coaches, that the Jazz just wear teams out um, and and tire them out, and then that's why we have so many blowouts. Uh, but that is not that did not come to fruition in my research. The other one, though, is a myth that you hear a lot, that if you offensive rebound, you're bad defensively. And that's just not true either. The top six offensive rebounding teams, three of them were top 10 defensively, four were in the top 12, and only Minnesota was worse than 16, whereas the bottom defensive rebounding teams, including Milwaukee, was a top defense, but four of the six that offensive rebounded uh, were in the bottom 10 defensively. So you'll hear, you know, it, it started with Pop and Doc Rivers that they all retreat out of the offensive rebounding to get back in transition defense and that offensive rebounding leads to bad defense. That's not true either. Uh, so I think there's something worthwhile in in remembering that. I didn't know this. The four best offensive rebounding teams are the four teams in our division. Portland, Oklahoma City, uh, Minnesota, and Denver are the four best offensive rebounding teams. So without favors this year, 
uh, that will be something that we certainly will have to watch uh, from the Utah Jazz. All right, Craig Bullerjack coming up next on the Summer Interview Series. If you want to send him a thank you at, at Buckle Up Bowler, that's greatly, greatly appreciated. It's always a, a really uh, important thing, frankly, uh, to get these guys uh, to come on and spend an hour with me, and then we get to splice it up throughout the week. Uh, today's show is brought to you in part by Homie. You've seen those funny, bright teal billboards around town and heard uh, me talk about how you can hire Homie to sell your house and save thousands, but you also can get a licensed local Homie agent can help you buy any house. So uh, text LOCK, L-O-C-K-E, to 88588, and they'll connect you with a Homie agent to help you find your dream home, tour homes, make offers, negotiate the best deal, and work uh, to get you $5,000 back. That's right. They give you up to $5,000 back to help you with the closing costs and fees. Homie refunds up to five thousand dollars back a lot of people think it's free to buy a home but it's not the money you pay for your home is used to pay the seller their agent and whatever agent you choose to hire it's your money that pays both agents and homie is returning five thousand dollars to you so text lock l-o-c-k-e to eight eight five eight eight to find out more that's lock l-o-c-k-e to eight eight five eight eight Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. Locked on Jazz Summer Interview Series continues with the TV voice, the voice of the Utah Jazz, the great Craig Bowler Jack. Joining us, Bowler, you are the conduit from one fan base to the next. You are the guy who's been with both kind of all generations of jazz fans from your KSL days to your jazz TV days to your jazz TV days. Where is your excitement level about this group compared to all the other years you've been doing this? Wow. Uh, it's great talking to you, and thanks for having me back on this summer, uh, David. Honestly, I was hoping you'd give me a buzz. Uh, I always love talking hoop. Instead of on the plane, we can ch- chat by ourselves. Um, i got to be honest. You know, I, I got here in 85 when Carl Malone was a rookie, and that was, a, that was an exciting time because – the Jazz needed a star. They had one in the making, obviously, with Stockton when they brought him in in 84 and AD. But Malone just took it to the next level, and it was so fun uh, to watch that combination grow uh, to two title runs in 97 and 98. Your question puts me on the spot because those were very special. Those are special two years as Carl and John and Jerry worked their way to a uh, uh, one-on-one battle with, with a guy named Jordan 
I, I think honestly, in my tenure covering this this franchise, the hype of of what's to come or the expectations of what to come, I don't remember it being like this in any other summer. To answer your question straight up. I mean, yeah, Stockton Malone, people became almost expected uh, greatness and wins on a nightly basis, and they delivered. But this is different. This is a different era, different coach, different time, different fan base. Um, And I I really feel everywhere I go, the sense of success is at the highest level it's been since the Malone-Stockton days, and maybe even higher. I don't know. David, why that is, I know that Conley is well respected. Donovan's on a on a quick, you know, course to stardom, and Gobert has won two titles uh, at as Defensive Player of the Year. But with the way that, you know, my point is, the way the Western Conference is built, it is so competitive. But I, I guess I answered my own question because the Jazz fan base actually truly believes, and on paper, I'll agree that it's it's in a position to be as competitive with the most competitive conference in basketball. And that means if they stay healthy, they got a chance to win the West and maybe go beyond. I'm excited to get it going. That's not happened very often, right? So, like, I mean, maybe, I don't know how many years we've ever had where the Jazz go into a season with a chance to, really a legitimate chance to win the West. Uh, We can count them maybe on one hand. I mean, really, I mean, truly over the course of, of this franchise's history, I think with Carl and John, there was always kind of that hope. And obviously in 97 and 98, then the strike shortened year would be another one, right? Uh, Carlos, uh, the booze and D will got to it, Boy, I but would, I don't know if that I, was I really, would, I would never have classified them as favorites. I would agree. And I, they got to that point. So yeah, I mean, on one hand, uh, you can you can read that right. You can you can say yeah. The Jazz are not usually picked uh, by you or I or or you know anyone else around the NBA who follows this league, David. Where they really truly are pinned as a top two, and you know I understand the Clippers and the excitement in LA. I mean both LA teams are going to be exceptional, but I think the Jazz have enough power in their lineups to be as competitive as, as anyone in the West and beyond. I think it's, you know, let's make sure we don't get too carried away. I haven't seen what Kevin Pelton, he just released some of his stuff. And as we're recording this, I hadn't gotten, I haven't gotten a chance to look at it. Um, some of my numbers, frankly, don't come out as aggressively for the jazz as, as some other things do. Um, so, you know, I think it's going to stem really, if the jazz can still be a top five defensive team in the NBA, then they are going to be every bit as good as we're talking about because they're going to be better offensively. So I, I would say that I think that there's still a little, um, I don't know, I think there's still maybe a little overplay on some of the excitement, but maybe not, maybe not. You know, I think it's Conley uh, and Donovan as a backcourt. And, and again, you know, the, the numbers – uh, you know, you run and, you know, Boyan Bogdanovich is another interesting uh, piece that the Jazz picked up as well, uh, David, in the offseason. I actually did a little David Locke on you. I'm going to do it right oh, now. If you I'm don't ready. Mind. I'm ready. Uh, but for Boyan, you know, I, I ran across this stack because I wanted to really understand his abilities to shoot this ball. I mean, we're, we've all, we all know what Joe Ingles, you know, headband Joe is all about. And for him to actually have another three point uh, shooter, a contributor, uh, on the offensive end, really, um, for the first time, really kind of impacted my 
my study a little bit, and I, I printed this out. It's a shot chart from last year, and basically it talks about its efficiency by location, which I know you, you study on a constant basis. So I kind of printed this off a couple of, I don't know, maybe a month ago, and but I didn't realize the man, Boyan Bogdanovich, if you're looking at the court coming down the floor to his left side, his efficiency from that location, corner three, is 56%. I know you know that. 45% on the right side. And then in the middle, if you're in the paint, the guy just never misses. He's 60%. Uh, yeah, the Jazz got themselves, at least on paper, another compliment to Joe and a three-pointer, a three-point shooter that tells me he's got incredible ability and he's 49% off the right side wing. Those are incredible numbers. And add that to, I mean, a, a, a ever-changing Western Conference. And as you know, we talk about this on the plane all the time. I've always been kind of a guy that kind of misses the, the mid-range J. And you are always quick to correct me that, you know, analytics will tell you three is more than two. And also at the rim, the higher percentages. And I, I understand that. But at the same time, Boyan has got three-point ability, and also uh, I'm impressed with his ability to finish in the paint, too. So I think the Jazz got themselves quite a weapon on the offensive end. Well, he's, he's really, he is really terrific. And by the way, if you want the fun thing on the numbers, Joe Ingles from the right corner is over 50%. So if you put Joe in the right corner at over 50% and you put Boyan at over 50% in the left corner and you run a pick-and-roll wow. with Conley and Gobert, who are you leaving? Like, you're not leaving that's, anyone. That's... That's the beauty of what you just said is I think is why the excitement is at a high pitch. And maybe you're right with some of the numbers, but I think it's the fact for the first time, David, in a long time that you don't have to worry about the, 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 the five guys on the floor, somebody sagging off them to go and help or crowd Donovan or the same that happened to, to Joe against the Rockets out on the three-point line. I mean, he was crowded out there and had very little room to do some of his uh, three-point magic. But I, I think y'all, all defenses this year, unless we're, we're going to be proven wrong, uh, they've got to respect every, every guy that's on the floor. And I don't think you'll see a lot of sags. And I think you're right about the pick and roll. And if you do respect the three ball, which the league does, especially in the West, uh, you've got two sharpshooters, one parked in the right and one parked in the left, as you said. I love Joe, okay? We all love Joe. So you always know that, like, we have a joke with our kids, like – I don't want to, I don't mean to offend, but okay. You're going to offend. Like, so I don't mean to offend, but Joe Ingles is not a second scorer in the NBA. That's what we've been asking out of Joe Ingles is to be the second best scorer on the roster. That's not who he is. He's not Paul right. George. Paul George is a second scorer in the NBA. He's not that. And so now he's the fourth scorer and he is that. And this gives Joe a chance for success because Mike Conley, Bojan Bogdanovich, and Donovan Mitchell are your scorers. Donovan's one. Conley and Bojan, we're going to find out who's 2-3. And Rudy rolling to the rim is a defensive bender. And then Joe can be in the right role. I, I like to refer to it as the rightful order of the basketball universe. And that is Joe's rightful order of the basketball universe. He uh, intrigues me, always has. I know he does you as well just because of his personality. Uh, I like his gruffness. Uh, and use any nickname you want. I understand. Headband Joe. That was a classic moment, by the way, uh, when he put the headband on or the uh, the gauze when he got cut. Slow-mo Joe, uh, you know, jingling Joe, whatever. 
the guy's special, but you make a great point. The Jazz didn't bring him in here to be the number two scorer. That's the way it kind of turned out. And the fact that uh, Coin Snyder trusts him as another really kind of a, an outreach, an arm of his mentality on the court at times. But, you know, it'll be interesting too, David, and you and I haven't talked about this, and it's been talked a lot about online on different writers around the country, but could you see possibly Joe jumping as the sixth man off the bench? Uh, would that happen? Uh, and your numbers, I'm sure, would prove some of that some of that discussion. And I remember that two years ago, and actually Joe has always been open to the idea, if it was needed, again, the concept of team that the Jazz have had for such a long time under Quinn is that he'd jump off the bench and give up his starting position. I'm not sure how that's going to work out this year, but it's interesting to see if that's one option, again, that Quinn Snyder will look at. But uh, I think you're right. The pressure is off of him, and he should be dialed up and wide open on many given nights. And when he's on, he's on. Uh, you know, he's had some struggles. What three-point shooter doesn't? But he's the type of guy that has a short memory. And as Kyle Korver always told me, you know, the two times he's made a stop in Salt Lake was the fact that – and Hornacek has said it many times too. If you're going to shoot the three, got to have a short memory uh, on your misses and just continue to think about what's ahead. I think Ingles fits that that uh, description perfectly. He's Craig Bolerjack. We'll address that idea of how the lineup works and how it plays out here in just a moment. We continue. If you're an NFL fan, the season is right around the corner and there's a new Locked On NFL. Still with the great insight of Matt Williamson, the former scout in the NFL, but now with host Brian Peacock. It's been on the top of the iTunes ratings now for three weeks in a row. Make sure it's in your NFL routine and your podcast. It's Locked On NFL on your favorite podcast provider. More coming up with Craig Bolerjack. Today's show brought to you in part by Murdoch Chevy. They're out in Woods Cross. They're in Logan. And they've been in Utah for 90 plus years. It's just incredible. The commitment, the time, the connection to Utah that Chevy has. And right now they've got some fun Fun things taking place. 0% APR for 72 months on the 2019 Silverado Crew Cab. To celebrate the 93rd anniversary, every new vehicle purchase comes with a complimentary lifetime oil changes. It's Chevy. It's Americana. It's Murdoch. It's Utah. 93 years in Utah selling Chevys. And it's that combination that gives you the best experience when buying your Chevy. Great deals going on right now as well. The Equinox is just 219 per month. Lease on a 2019 Equinox. That's one of their SUVs. There's also the new Blazer. You know about the Suburban and the Tahoe. The Silver Silverado and the Colorado are the great truck lineup. So if you're in the market for a truck, it's the Silverado and the Colorado. If you're in the market for an SUV, $219 per month on the Equinox. 0% APR on the Silverado for 72 months. It's all part of the 93rd anniversary at Murdoch Chevy Woods Cross as well as in Logan. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't 
feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors. This at-home device, handheld percussive therapy, has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. So, Bowler, you brought up the idea of coming off the bench for Joe Ingles. I have heard it a lot. I'm a little less kind of willing to go there, maybe out of respect for Joe. Uh, I'm not actually sure I think it makes us that much better. Frankly, I think that um, you're always better off starting your five best players because the minute you come off the bench, there's a limit to how many minutes that group plays together and how many minutes that player actually gets. But if it were to happen, if it did turn out to be the right thing, you start Jeff Green or Royce O'Neal, my personal feeling is it's going to take Joe going to Quinn. I don't think Quinn is about to tell Joe he's coming off the bench. I think Joe's earned enough in the process that that, that day's not coming. Yeah, you make a great point. I think the respect Quinn has for Joe plays a huge role in that decision, uh, and he's earned it. You're, you're totally right. Uh, Joe has earned it, and you don't usually just pull a guy from a starting position and drop him back onto the bench without discussing it. And even though Joe has made that uh, that nod or – uh, at least open the door for discussion. Uh, I think at the time, too, David, he kind of thought it was necessity, need, and he was willing to help. Uh, but, you know, I remember talking to Boozer years ago when he had that hamstring problem. And uh, Jerry had made a, Jerry Sloan had made a comment, maybe we should just ease him back in the lineup. And you know what Boozer's comment was. Uh, and I'm a starter, period. And you know what? Most guys who are starters in this league think exactly the same way, and I don't think Joe's any different. I think he wants to be out there. But I think he's kind of a different breed, too, that if it was better for the team, he would probably go along with that without much uh, – oh, let's just say he wouldn't really talk about it in the, in the media much to cause it an issue for the franchise. But I think he deserves to be there, absolutely. And I'm anxious to see how this thing really works out in camp and those first uh, couple of preseason games. Uh, I think we're going to get a real good feel of the continuity and just how quick Mike Conley, Michael Conley, and Donovan Mitchell become a, a dangerous backcourt combination in this league. You know, we've always talked about Clay, and we've always talked about Steph and Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. I think people are going to have to start talking about Donovan Mitchell and Conley as one of the elite backcourts. At least, I think, again, that goes back to our original conversation about the hype of this team. That, that's a very impressive backcourt by name. I'm anxious to see them really do it on the floor, and we're not far away from finding out. If they're going to do that, it means that Donovan has to be at the level of Damian Lillard or Steph Curry. I mean, that's really what we're talking about. And that's a mammoth ask. But what's your thoughts? What do you think we're seeing out of Donovan in year three? Well, I think, you know, right now we're right in the middle of summer uh, or the end of summer, actually, with uh, and the U.S. national team is doing their thing. And, you know, he's been getting all sorts of accolades for being such a leader and uh, such an athlete and such a, a coachable young player. And that's, that's quite a compliment coming from Popovich. You know, I, I think 
with Conley there, David, my expectations is a more confident uh, Donovan, also a guy that has more room to do what he does best, and that's just do athletic moves and do athletic things. And that means mostly getting to the rim. And I had this conversation with Harpering uh, over the phone not long ago, but it's also like, could it really be, could he be a three or four point per night guy more and jump his total at 26? And, you know, you know, analytically, I would think, David, that, you know, if more touches equals more opportunities, obviously, and he's a good free throw shooter, and if he does attack the rim and still doesn't complete the bucket, he may find himself at the free throw line two or three more times a night. Hard to, hard to say. But I, I think just the path he's taken, uh, he's close to becoming an elite two guard in this league. And also he's switched and he's played some one, as we all know, in need. Um, but is he on the all-star status? I think he's close. And anytime a player scores in the 26-point range category or 27, you're an all-star. And I would think with Conley, I, he may help him achieve that this year. I really do. He took, I think, 19.9 shots a game last year. I'd have to check that, but that's off the top of my head. I don't know if I think that number changes. I just think they get easier. I, yeah. I, I don't know that I want Don, you know, oh, relieve Donovan. I don't want to relieve the burden on Donovan. If Donovan's who we think he is, then I want him taking 20 shots a game. I just think the other shots that are coming from everybody else are going to be better shots, and I think that they're uh, – and the, I, I think Donovan gets better looks and easier looks. Let me ask you this, too. With Conley running the show, and nothing against Ricky, but we know there were some errant passes on many nights, right? The turnover – the turnover no, bug the stunning, the, the stunning Ricky Rubio discovery was that he was not as good a passer as we thought. Right, right. And there were nights that, you know, on multiple possessions uh, that I remember on a couple of nights, it was like one, two, three possessions in a row. Uh, things just didn't work out. And the Jazz gave away possessions. And I also, David, from your chair, I also saw Donovan as the, the savior in the sense of short shot clock situations. And so what I mean by that is that as you go back to your conversation about more open looks, more breathability, I guess is the word I'll use. <laughs> but you, don't you, you a think new one. So? Hey, it's a new ability. A new, one. a new ability. Page six. <laughs> breathability. Page six. Dictionary. But but really I, I, I think that he's not gonna be in a situation where those shots, one of his nineteen or twenty shots, isn't gonna be in that savior mode. On, on less occasions is my point because a lot of guys just handed it to him with three on the clock and said, there you go. I don't sense maybe he'll be in that position as much. How about you? I'm hoping not. I mean, I think you have three bona fide scores on the board. And so you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have that. Um, but it's, it's all, I mean, you're still at some point going to get late in the shot clock. I, I think tempo has something to do with that of whether they're able to play any faster. Um, it will be it will be interesting. I do not think he should get stuck that late in the shot clock. The the numbers were, um, I, you just made me think of something. I'll probably try to look up. Is where did he rank in the league in those kind of um, right. shots that he had to take? It it felt as though he had to take many more late shot clock shots than most people um, in the league. He took nine percent of his shots in the final four seconds of the shot clock last year and shot 25%. You were, yeah. wow. I did not know this. You eliminate that. Can't be right. Yeah. Um, if you eliminate that from his 
numbers, that that gets to be a very di- that's a different player, right? Like I, I absolutely. Don't, and he took nineteen percent of his shots in the final seven seconds. Um, so that's an interesting note. I mean, he's an he's an above average offensive player until he gets caught late. Like he shot nine sixteen of 82 on three-point shots in the final four seconds of the shot clock. 16 of 82, yeah. 19 you just answered my next. You just answered my next question if you had that up. 16 of 82 from downtown in a short shot clock. So he was pressed, and I'm wondering, too, if, he, if his three-point percentage won't increase if that's not the case, that he's not put in that situation. And also I'm excited to see if he only has to go man-on-man most of the time defensively if his athleticism, David, won't even let him reach to the rim even more. So that's why I think people are excited. Conley's, let, 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 me build, uh, let me build off this. I'm actually just making this up as we go along. Interestingly enough, Mike Conley in Memphis got it worse than Donovan Mitchell. We think about it about Donovan Mitchell, but Mike Conley on a team that had absolutely no help shot 14.4% of his shots in the final four seconds of the shot clock, only shot 14 uh, only shot 34%, so a little better than Donovan, but not great, and only shot 22 of 76 from three. You go suddenly wow. play Mike Conley from seven, from about 22 to seven seconds on the shot clock, and you have a totally different player. So maybe Mike Conley at 32 years old is actually going to benefit more from this than actually Donovan who we're talking about. I didn't know that. Great job, Bowler. Way to walk me into it. No, it's, it's, I think it's a great combo, and I think it's the one thing I'll be really looking at a lot is, as the season gets underway. You know what it is? If you can put it in just in simple man's terms, it's like you and me out on the playground, and the big guy comes over and jumps on me, and I say, hey, Dave, you take it. I mean, that's what it kind of came down to, right? And, and, you know, Donovan is the guy. Conley was the guy, as you said, in Memphis, and that's why the ball ends up in their hands because everyone says, you know what, I'm going to give it to the, you know, to, the, to the best offensive player on the floor right now. And either you make it or you don't. And most of the times, someone's jumping out on you, and uh, life can get real tough real fast. Uh, and it was at times, as you just said, statistically for both those two. Really interesting. Craig Bowlerjackets with us. He'll be back with us tomorrow. The summer interview series continuing. It is Locked On Jazz. What are you going to go do next? I don't know, but Locked On NBA is up for you with a daily podcast, even in the offseason. Go check out Locked On NBA on your favorite podcast provider. This has been Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feet every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.